This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. As we come to Mark chapter 14 this morning, and I invite your attention there, We're going to meet a woman who no doubt loved Jesus. And as a person, a disciple who loved the Lord Jesus, she is going to provide for the disciples and for us this morning a very valuable lesson. And I want to speak to you on this subject, love lessons, learning to love Jesus. Love lessons. Now, some of you ladies got really excited when I, when I said the uh, beginning part of the title. You, I saw, so, you know, if you're stretching out your elbows into your husband's ribs and hoping he'll set up and take note because you want him to love you, and there's no doubt he should. But what we find is that if he loves Jesus, he's going to love you. In fact, if we love Jesus, we're going to love everybody. The Lord said the the commandments, the law hangs on these two commandments, that we love him and that we would love our neighbor. And if we love him, we will love our neighbor. Our, Our nation is divided this morning. There are people who are protesting, walking up and down the streets, not really protesting. They're violently rioting. Our nation seems hopelessly divided. And what is the answer? There's only one. That answer is found in Jesus. And God's people are called upon to love him and to love one another and to love our neighbor. It all flows, however, out of our love for him. And so we ask ourselves this question this morning, do we love Jesus? Now, we come to Mark 14, and I want us to begin reading in verse number 1. We'll read through verse number 11. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priest and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. As he's at dinner, this woman comes in. We find in John chapter 12 that this is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She comes in. And she has a vessel. The Bible uses the term box here. It is a container, perhaps like a vase, uh, a, a jar perhaps. And in that jar is a very precious ointment. This is an ointment of spikenard. Spikenard is a term we read of in the Song of Solomon. It is a fragrant spice. It has a wonderful aroma. 
and it is mixed in a in a, in, in a, a, a bottle of of oil, and it is used as a perfume. The Bible says it is very precious. It was very costly. Those bottles had a, a neck at the end, so when you poured out the ingredients or all that was contained in it, it would restrict the flow of that ointment or that perfume. It would restrict the flow of it to just a drop. And what we find about Mary is that when she came in, she broke the box. Uh, whatever method there was employed in the design of that bottle, it, 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 to restrict the flow of the ointment as it came out, she broke it so that the flow would not be restricted, but that it would pour out and empty its contents upon the head and the feet of Jesus. And this she did in an act of devotion to the Lord Jesus. In verse 4, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do to them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And she sought, or and he sought rather, how he might conveniently betray him. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number three. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. I'm speaking to you on the subject of love lessons and learning to love Jesus. And what we find is that in this symbolism, in this act of devotion, in taking this very costly ointment and pouring all of the contents, the entire bottle upon the head and feet of Jesus, what we are being taught is to love Jesus. As we look at this passage, if we were just simply to outline these verses that we've read this morning, we might outline it this way. This will not be the heart of the message, but let me just give you a simple outline for this passage. We see, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, the plot to destroy him. The plot to destroy him. The plot is intensifying as the enemies of the Lord Jesus, uh, who are in themselves opponents by nature, the chief priests and the scribes, they're not friends at all. But one thing has united them, their enmity toward Jesus and their desire to put him to death. And they desire to do so, the Bible says, by craft, uh, through cunning, through deceit. Uh, and they will find people who will falsely accuse the Lord Jesus and they will turn him over to be crucified. 
Then we see in verses three through nine, we see the passion devoted to him. The passion devoted to him. Here is this woman who loves Jesus. And in the midst of this plot to kill him, in the midst of the criticism that she will face from disciples, she still will act passionately to love and adore Jesus. And then in verses 10 and 11, we see the payment to deliver him. There's one disciple who decides that he's, he's had enough of Jesus, and 30 pieces of silver really mean more to him than Jesus does. By the way, what will it take for you to turn your back on Jesus? It only took Judas 30 pieces of silver. But this morning, we, 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 we look at verses 3 through 9, and we take our text there, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us through his word. As we think of this woman with this alabaster box and the lesson that she offers us, if we're interested in learning it. Oftentimes I find out that many aren't really interested in learning. And may the Holy Spirit have our attention this morning to teach us this lesson. Now, as we read through the New Testament, we note that the Lord had many disciples. There were many who professed to be disciples. In fact, the Lord says that in the judgment, there will be many who come to him and say, Lord, Lord, we, we did works in your name. We cast out devils in your name. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And there was a number of disciples who professed again to be disciples, but at some point they turned back from following Jesus. A disciple by his very nature is a follower. He is a learner. He is one who loves the one he follows. He is one who embraces the teachings and the practices of the one he follows. And in the life, during the life of Christ, there were some who were true disciples and some who were not. A true mark of discipleship is devotion. Do you love Jesus? Some disciples are content to be distant disciples. They're not going to get too close. They're going to kind of follow from a distance. If there's something they like, maybe they'll get a little closer. If there's something they don't like, they, they have a tendency to shy away. Others are discreet disciples. They really, they kind of want to blend in the woodwork. They don't want to stand out. They could go either way. Then there are delinquent disciples, you know, those who you can't find. And then there are disinterested disciples. They're just disciples in name only. They don't really care much for what's happening. I want to ask you a question. What kind of disciple are you? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a disciple. Maybe you do not believe on the Lord or you have not yet believed upon the Lord you, do, you have not discovered that he's the son of God, that he loves you, that he died for you. He made the payment for your sin. And perhaps today you will put your faith and trust in him and you will be his disciple. I want you to know how much he loves you. As the group sang earlier, the cross really said it all. Amen. Now, as we read through the New Testament, we learn that women have a lot to teach us about being a disciple. 
They have a lot to teach us about devotion. For example, as we've come to the closing portion of the gospel according to Mark, we're going to find, of course, and we have already found, that it was the widow who cast her mites into the treasury. Now, that was a very insignificant gift in the eyes of man because it amounted to little. But when the Lord saw it and knew that she cast in all her living, he used it as an object lesson. He used it to point those disciples to one truth that in the midst of all of the corruption that was taking place in the religious life of the Jews and, and all of the, all of the uh, false doctrine that had crept in and, and all, of the, <laughs> all of the twisted, perverted things that they were doing in the name of God, there was a woman there in the temple that day who truly loved the Lord. And while we live in this wicked world, while there are abuses and there are all sorts of forms of corruption on every hand, there are still a remnant of people who truly love Jesus. May we be among them. We see here in this passage, Mary gave her all to Christ. We will see that while many of the disciples at uh, his arrest and during uh, his cruel beating and uh, crucifixion, many forsook him and fled. It is the women who went with him to the foot of the cross. On the first day of the week, after his death upon the cross, it was the women who went to the tomb early to anoint his body. You see, it is a particular challenge to us men to learn from the women who followed Jesus and the women we know who do follow Jesus today to be devoted to Christ and how to demonstrate that devotion. Now, I, before we examine this text more closely, I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 7. Because in Luke chapter 7, we have a very similar situation. It's a different story. It's a different record. It's a different event. It involves different people other than the Lord Jesus, who is at the center of it all. But there are very uh, similar things that are taking place. Look in verse number 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, that's Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought, just as Mary did, an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known what manner of woman this is that toucheth him for she is a sinner. Now let's get the picture. Jesus is in the house of a Pharisee, the religious leaders, right? He's been invited to have a meal there. There is a woman who hears that Jesus is there. Obviously, she knows who Jesus is, not just the fact that he is a man, but that he is the God-man. We understand that because we're going to see her devotion and her gratitude as it is poured out upon him. Uh, we see that she comes into the house of this Pharisee. Imagine now, the Bible said she was a sinner. 
then the Pharisee says, she is a sinner. Now, we're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But apparently, there was something in this woman's life that stood out. There were some actions. Maybe she was a prostitute. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us in this passage what she was. But that certainly is the implication that you could reasonably uh, come to that conclusion. However, uh, the fact is, everybody knows she's a sinner. And her presence in the religious leader's home makes them very uncomfortable. And then what she begins to do makes them very uncomfortable. She breaks this box. She pours the ointment on Jesus. She's weeping. She begins to wash his feet with tears. In other words, she is prostrate at the feet of Jesus, on her knees, weeping. Her tears falling on his feet, she takes her hair and she begins to wipe the feet of Jesus. What an act of humility. She kissed his feet and she took the ointment and she wiped, she anointed the feet of Jesus. She applied it to his feet. All along, these guys are getting really uncomfortable. But Jesus isn't uncomfortable. You see, she is pouring out her love and devotion upon him. And so the man says, if Jesus knew, if he were really a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now, Jesus knowing his thoughts, because the Bible said he spake within himself, Jesus, knowing his thoughts, addressed his thoughts. Look, if you would, please, in verse number 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There, were a, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned unto the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Praise God. For she loved much. Why did she love much? Because her sins, which were many, were forgiven. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sit at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. You see, when we acknowledge him for who he is, that's what she did. When we acknowledge to ourselves and to him who we are, we're sinners. 
You say, well, I'm not a sinner like that woman was. Well, the fruit might be a little different, but the root's the same. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friends, we, we are all in the same dreadful condition as sinners. The only thing that makes the difference is Jesus. It's not how good you are, how proper you can behave. It is only through his righteousness that we are made holy. It is only through his sacrifice that we may be forgiven. And so when we acknowledge to ourselves and to him who we are, when we recognize how great is his love and mercy toward us and the payment that he made for our sins, as did this woman who recognized what he was going to do for her on the cross, when we recognize that and the depth and the magnitude of the love of Jesus for us, then we'll love him. We'll love him. So we look at the life of Mary and her devotion to Christ. We learn some lessons about loving Jesus. I want you to write them down. There's seven of them, and I'll move quickly. Number one, we see the price of her devotion. The price of her devotion. The Bible tells us in verse 3 that as, as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. In John chapter 12 and verse number 3, the Bible says it was very costly. In verse number 4 of John chapter 12, as the disciples are murmuring about this gift that she has given, in, in John's record, Judas is singled out as being the leader of the band. In verse 4, then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Here we have an idea of the value of this ointment, the cost of it. 300 pence. A pence is a day's labor. So basically what you have are 300 days of labor. You have a year's salary here. That's what you have. Imagine, take your year's salary and now go buy a bottle of perfume. That's exactly what she had done. Well, what is she going to do with it? She's going to give it to Jesus. The price of her devotion. You see, if we truly love God, there's no price too great to pay. Give up some sin. Do some things a little different in life. You know, the things we like to complain about. Give of our tithes and offerings. Read our Bible. Spend some time in prayer. Those are minimal things. But here's a woman who gave a year's labor, a year's worth of her effort. She gave it to Jesus. It's costly. During the life and David, there was a sin that David committed in numbering the people, and judgment fell upon the people. A great plague came to the nation of Israel. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse number 18, and Gad came that day to David and said unto him, go up, near an, uh, go up 
rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Aruna went on and bowed himself before the king and his face upon the ground. And Aruna said, Wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, Let my Lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments for the oxen and the wood. All these things did Aruna as a king give unto the king. And Aruna said unto the king, the Lord thy God accept thee. David is coming, as the prophet has told him, to erect the altar and offer the sacrifice. He's pleading for God's mercy. He is expressing his love and devotion to God. He's acknowledging his sin and crying out for forgiveness. And Aruna says to David, wait a minute, you don't need to buy it. I'm going to give it to you. It doesn't need to cost you anything. By the way, that's what the world tells Christians today. And that is a brand of Christianity that many are swallowing. It doesn't need to cost me anything. But we see David's answer. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. You see, when we come to God, we don't need to come casually, flippantly. We don't need to come without any expression of sacrifice and giving. We need to bring an offering to the Lord. And I'm not talking about what's in your pocketbook, although that could be included. I'm talking about you. You. Lock, stock, and barrel. Give yourself to Jesus. The price of devotion. It was costly. There's no expense that's too great. Secondly, the presentation of her devotion. She brings this bottle of perfume that cost a year's wages. I, I don't have the idea that she had a lot of money. So the thought is, is that she worked diligently and she saved this. She could have applied it toward her retirement. She could have taken a trip. There are lots of things that she could have done with a year's salary, but she bought this precious ointment and she poured it all on Jesus. Now, as I said, the, the, this bottle that contained this ointment, it, it had a neck that restricted the flow and, and, and the oil would not be poured out normally. It would just kind of drop out. Drop by drop. It's all you really needed, just a drop or two. Some of you boys have learned that, just a drop or two, right? Get that perfume. No, boys don't buy perfume, right? Cologne. Some of you girls have figured that out. 
It's amazing how much they charge for that stuff, isn't it? I mean, you don't take the whole bottle and pour it all over you. I mean, you're going to have an interesting evening if you do that, let me tell you. But she pours it all out. She empties it completely upon Jesus. She breaks the box. She holds nothing back. She gives it her all. How do you serve Jesus? In measured moments? Well, I'll give him a little time today. I'll go this far with him. I'll give him this much of my financial time. I'll give him this much control of my life. I'll hold back from committing this much sin. She gave it all and held back nothing. If we love Jesus, nothing should be held back. Here's the third thing, the pleasantness of her devotion. The pleasantness of it. The Bible says in John chapter 12 and verse number three, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Here she takes this very costly, fragrant ointment, and when she breaks it, she pours it on Jesus' head and on his feet, and the whole house is affected. Everybody can smell this aroma. Let me tell you something. When you worship Jesus and when you love Jesus, everybody is blessed by it. Everybody. Everybody is impacted by it. And the Lord is pleased with it. Second Corinthians chapter number two and verse 15, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. My life is not to smell like this stinking world, but it is to be given over to Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, pleasing to him. And my life and my sacrifice and my devotion to him is to be an odor to him that is a sweet savor. You see, when you love Jesus, it's gonna pour out all over you. And it's going to spill out on people. And they're going to be affected in a great way. The pleasantness of her devotion. But then we see something that we don't expect. Fourthly, that's the protest against her devotion. The protest. The Bible says in verse 4, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Uh, nothing makes an uncommitted disciple any more uncomfortable than a devoted disciple who pours out love in an unrestrained fashion. Here these disciples are, and they see Mary come in, and, and they're doing what they've never, what's never occurred to them that they should even try to do. Pouring this precious ointment on him. Maybe in their minds they think, well, we've given up enough. We've forsaken all and followed him, but not to the level that this woman has gone. Coming in, humbling herself before him, pouring out this precious ointment, falling on her knees, uh, crying at his feet, worshiping and adoring the Lord Jesus, expressing gratitude to him for what 
he has done for her. Their attitude is, maybe, he ought to be glad we're following him. By the way, we get that attitude, right? Well, I'll tell you what, this church is lucky to have me. If that's your attitude, yeah, I appreciate that. If that's your attitude, you got it all wrong, don't you? And we've all met people that have that attitude, right? Sometimes we get that attitude. I mean, these people don't realize what a blessing I am. A choir wouldn't sound too good if I wasn't singing in it. This nursery wouldn't function if I wasn't here. And when we see people give themselves totally, it convicts us and it confronts us with our lack of love for him. And what do we begin to do? We begin to complain and we begin to murmur as did they. But here's the thing. It didn't stop her. By the way, what's it take to stop you? Well, you know, uh, they didn't come and visit me or, or they didn't call me or they didn't, they didn't thank me for my service. It just seems like nobody cares that I'm even here. Jesus does. And you're not here for them. You're here for him. Well, I, I sang a song. They didn't like it or I, whatever. The, I taught a Sunday school lesson. They didn't like it. I, I made a decoration for the ladies' meeting and they didn't like it. Who cares? You're doing it for Jesus. The only question that matters is, does he approve? And so when the criticism comes, I think they're getting a little too carried away. You know, a young person in a youth group that gets on fire for God, they're getting a little too carried away. That person that's trying to get you to go visiting, they're getting a little too carried away. That criticism naturally comes. The question is, will you endure it? That is a true test, a true test of your love. It's easy to say it. It's another thing to do it. The protest against her devotion. Let me give you the fifth thing. I told you I'd go fast. The praise of her devotion. Yes, somebody's protesting. Yes, it hurts. But more importantly, somebody is praising her devotion. Notice it in verse 6. And Jesus said, hey, that's all that matters, isn't it? And Jesus said, and I like what he said, don't you? Let her alone. <laughs> you boys get off her back, will you? Don't talk about her. Don't criticize her. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. You see, when we offer up our devotion to Jesus, he will be pleased. Amen. So let's offer it to him. And then we see 
Sixthly, the perception of her devotion. The perception. Now, we go back to the closing part of verse six. She hath wrought a good work on me. Then we notice verse seven. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Now, when we think of Mary and we think of Martha, what do we think of? Martha, Martha, thou art, say it with me, careful about many things. You're careful and troubled. Now, you remember the picture? Jesus is in the house of Mary and Martha, and Martha's trying to serve the Lord. She's trying to get dinner ready. She's trying to get the dishes set out on the table, maybe trying to, you know, hide the stuff that you want to hide when company comes and cram it in the closets. I don't know what, but she was involved in all of that. And here she is busy, I mean, moving about the house with all this pressure and all this stress. The Lord Jesus is in my house, oh, mercy. And, and I've got to get it clean, and now the, and the disciples are here. And what are they going to think of me? They're going to think I'm a horrible woman, and they're going to think my house is nasty. And she's going on through all of these emotions and thoughts. And she, as she's moving from the kitchen to the dining room, sees Jesus in the sitting room, and there's Mary. And what's Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, that didn't sit well with Martha, did it? Lord, don't you care about me? Don't you see what I'm doing? Why are you letting Mary sit here and listen to you talk? Why don't you send her over here to help me? I've got this burden on me. I got to do all this by myself, and I have no hope. No help. <laughs> Some of you don't have much hope. I got you. And the Lord said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but Mary hath chosen. Boy, that's a powerful word, isn't it? She hath chosen the good part which shall not be taken away. What choice did she make? It was a simple choice that when Jesus was there, nothing else mattered. She needed to hear from him. She needed to spend time with him. And guess what happened? Though she was not the active one, the Bible said she wrought a good work on him. But let me tell you, she would have never wrought a good work on him had she not first learned to sit at his feet. We get so busy in life, don't we? And, and, and we're programmed in our nature to feel like we got to do something. That's why we have trouble with salvation by grace through faith. We think we have to earn salvation. We can't earn it. And then once we're saved, that same sinful tendency is in us, and we think we have to earn favor with God. And by the way, this is no excuse to be a lazy Christian. But before we can ever do anything that amounts to anything for God, we have to first learn to sit at his feet. And she did that. And she said, I'm going to take a year's wages and I'm going to pour it on Jesus because she knew something that none of those disciples ever got through their skull. That Jesus was going to the cross 
to die for her. And the cross said it all. And it touched her soul. And she said, I love him. And it didn't matter what anybody thought. It didn't matter how great the price. She was going to get to Jesus, and she was going to show him how much she loved him. The perception of her devotion. And then lastly, as we close, the perpetuity of it, the perpetuity of her devotion. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever, verse 9, this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now, I imagine all those disciples would preach some pretty wonderful messages in their lifetime. I imagine they did some great things. The Bible says they cast out devils. But Jesus said, hey, fellas, what this woman has done for me today, wherever this gospel is preached, this story is going to be repeated. What she has done for me today will not be forgotten. What you and a heart of love and an act of devotion do for Jesus he will not forget. It's as fresh in his mind as if it happened today. And so, friend, I want to encourage you. Let's learn to love Jesus. Let's learn to love Jesus. If you have not responded to his love by receiving him as Savior, I want to invite you today. Put your faith and trust in him. Come to Jesus. Confess you're a sinner. Confess that he's the son of God who died for you, who was buried and rose again the third day. Ask him to save you, and he will. And he'll fill your heart with love, a love like you've never known. Would you come to him today? And Christian friend, as God is taking you this morning through this lesson, as we've said in Mary's class, and we have examined the love that she had for Christ, and we have asked ourselves an honest question, do we really love Jesus? How has the Holy Spirit spoken to you? Can you, put, can you put it in a specific way? Have you been willing to pay the price? No expense is too great. Are you willing to present it all to him Nothing should be held back. Are you willing to be a blessing to others by forgetting self and pouring it all out on him? Are you willing to continue in the face of criticism because you love him? Do you hear his voice of commendation as he says, she hath wrought a good work on me. Do you perceive that he died for you and that you need to spend time in fellowship and communion with him, getting to know him in a greater way? And the more, trust me, the more you know him, the more you will love him.
And maybe we don't love him the way we should because we just don't know him the way we should. And then, are you willing to invest in something that will last forever? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.